Mr. Pop. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to pair Jamar Chase and Jerry Rice as your two wide receivers in fantasy football? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start Barry Sanders and Patrick Mahomes in your fantasy football lineup? Then this is the place for you. Encore Fantasy, the only place where the fantasy stars of today face off against the legends of yesterday. There are a lot of fantasy games out there that do simulations. Encore Fantasy is taking actual games from these players' past. It's not simulating them. It's not a guess. You're actually getting a Fred Bolitnikoff game, not what Fred Bolitnikoff might have done at some point. Whether you are new to fantasy football or a better know the game, we have something for you. This is the Encore Fantasy Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Encore Fantasy Podcast. I am Ben Stecker, your host with my co-host and partner, Michael Michaud. Yes, we're back, Ben. I missed it. I didn't know what to do last Tuesday afternoon. I was just sitting around thinking about all the things I wanted to put out on the internet about fantasy football, and I didn't have an outlet to do it. But it's okay. That just means that we have a lot of bottled up stuff going on. That's what this is. This is our outlet. It's like therapy for us as fantasy football people, and you all have to listen to it. But we also provide some advice and tips, so it's mutually beneficial. I mean, look, I won't say that I miss it that much because in the short period of time that we've been gone, my Seattle Mariners have broken a 21-year playoff drought, the longest in American professional sports. No longer going. No longer. Who's got the longest now? I don't know, but the Mariners broke their 21-year one, and they did it in style, going down the stretch there. Sacramento Kings currently oh. hold the longest drought in American professional sports. At 60. Oh, I was going to guess. Too late now. <laughs> so the last time that the Kings made it, that was Weber days. Got to be Chris Weber days. The end of the Chris Weber days, too, because the heyday was like the 2001, 2002, when Vladdy Givox tapped that ball out to Robert Ray to hit that. Those Kings Lakers series with Kobe and Shaq and Weber and Divox, those were nuts series. Was Jason Williams... Sacramento Kings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. White, white chocolate. White chocolate, baby. <laughs> Let's go. I know very little about the NBA, but I know about that one. But it's great to finally have the proverbial monkey off our back <laughs> as a Seattle Mariners fan. I cried. I cried. I'm glad that you did. One, to prove that you're a human. And two, because that's what sports are all about. I'm a Yankees fan, so the Mariners and Yankees are in direct competition with each other. But in my time living in D.C., I've met an inordinate number of people from Seattle. So I'm not a Mariners fan, per se. But our friend Zach, my friend Alex, these big Mariners fans, and I'm just psyched to see you guys so jazzed about baseball because playoff droughts, I don't really know what they're like as a fan, but they sound terrible. So I'm glad that yours is over. And I really hate the Astros. We both really hate the Astros. So let's go Mariners, man. Let's make it happen. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And it's funny, your buddy Alex, who years ago was my fantasy football nemesis, not even friend of me, just straight enemy. So that brings us all the way back to here and now, which is fantasy That's football. Right. And we have two weeks of data that we get to go through now on the old Encore fantasy football game, which is fantastic. Yeah, we're biased, but still, even even objectively, it's fantastic. There's a lot of fun stuff going on, and we have two weeks of stuff to go through. It's been a fun couple weeks. A lot of interesting things in some of the positions that we'll get to when the trends come around. But first, let's take a look back at the last couple of weeks and some of the top performers that are out there. In week four, there was higher deltas. There was a couple in the 20-point range that were pretty high over their projected deltas. Last week, there wasn't that many at all. You mean the week that just finished? Yeah. Week five, there was a lot less deltas that were high level out there. Week four was more delta force than week five. That's accurate. That's accurate. What's interesting about that is the top delta from week four, that's one of my two picks for the legendary performance. Big surprise. Pretty obvious. It was because he was drafted by the Yankees. Is that why? It's actually because he was drafted by the Colts. Both. 
Yeah, look at that. But he actually loses out to who our true legendary performance will be, which it was just absurd. But we'll get to that one in a little bit. One guy I want to call out, though, Frank Gore. Frank Gore, who is a legend in his own right. Been around for forever. He produced for years and years and years. Frank Gore played for 16 seasons. 2005 to 2020. 2005 to 2020. It's a long time for a running back. Frank Gore played through three presidential administrations. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> that's really good. Think about that. Yeah, that's right. We live in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to that. But Frank Gore played through three presidential administrations. Future Hall of Famer for sure. That's a really long time. Do you know his nickname? name is the inconvenient truth according to pro football reference i did not know that i kind of like it pretty good game for him which makes sense because this is september 10th 2006 for him so he's just coming into his own as a 49er he had 87 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns i don't know if people realize this but frank Gore caught a few balls in his time and in this particular game he was targeted nine times for six catches and 83 yards would have been a nice game for just an average wide receiver let alone the 87 rushing yards of two touchdowns in that one so it was the first game of the season september 10th 2006 against the cardinals they lost 34 27 but yeah, you're right. So 16 carries, 87 yards. And like you said, nine targets out of the backfield. He had 86 targets that year, 61 catches. I think a lot of people just have Frank Gore as just a workhorse, old, right? Old Frank yeah, Gore. Old Frank Gore, who's just pounding the ball at the goal line. But he had 484 career receptions. Interestingly enough, his second year was the most receptions he had in a season, 61. He also had eight rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown that year. Frank Gore is interesting because we've talked a lot on this podcast about legacy guys that you choose, maybe guys who burned super bright for a really short period of time. So you're likely going to get a good game for their very small career. Frank Gore doesn't have that. He has a long career and he doesn't have any season where he was particularly dominant, at least in terms of scoring touchdowns. He was just very consistent through his whole career, except for his last three seasons and his first season. He scored at least five touchdowns every year. This is why his projected points is like 12 because his career was so long. But I still think he's a guy who's going to get you solid teens more often than not. Yeah, so the first half of his career, he was really, really good. But then you get to about his age 31 and he's fine, but you're going to wind up getting some dead games in there. You got lucky and got one of his early seasons. 35 points. 22 over his projections. There's another one of those historical running backs checking in with a big score. I know there's one other legendary performance you want to talk about. Well, look, I'll touch on it because we've touched on it twice and I'd love for this to be the legendary performance overall, but there's somebody else that gets that cake and we'll get to that. But yeah, my boy John Elway checks in. 38.62 points. 323 yards passing, four touchdowns. Pretty, pretty good performance from the guy. It was his October 6th, 1996. Oh, late John Elway. That's late, late John, John Elway. That's, that's the, uh, that's going the into. Last season. Yeah, that's the year we lost to the Jags in the playoffs because we were supposed to roll through them. And then the Jags went on and lost to the Packers. What's the day of this one? October 6, 1996. Against the Chargers, 28-17 yeah. victory. He was 32 of 41, 323 yards, four touchdowns, of course, an interception. And he also rushed for 37 yards at the age of 36. I think you're wrong. I don't think John Elway ever threw any interceptions. I think he was noted as being the most accurate and conservative quarterback in NFL history. Not a guy right. who runs around like his hair's on fire, throwing things into whoever has hands. He did happen to throw 14 interceptions in this season, but I think those are the only 14 interceptions he ever threw in his career. Just this year. <laughs> Just the one year. 
another historical quarterback coming in big. That was the biggest delta of the last two weeks. That was a 24 points over his projection of 14.5. Tells you what kind of benefit you can get from some of these guys that are a little bit lower on the projection poll. There's some other folks that you could pick out there like Jalen Hurts. He scored 27 points in week four, but it was at a 24 point projection cost. So you paid a little bit more, you got a little bit less. So your delta was only at four there with that one. So today's quarterbacks are good, but you definitely have to pay a prettier penny for them whereas some of your historical quarterbacks like Mr. Elway, Super Bowl GM Elway would be there. So that, that's a, that's an interesting one. What do you got for us? I mean, who's, who's a player you want to look at? Some of the top performers from the last couple of weeks here. This name popped up and I had never heard of it before is Emerson Boozer. <laughs> he played from 1966 to 1975 with the Jets. So he played with Joe Namath, I imagine. Went to Maryland Eastern Shore. Emerson Boozer in week four had a projection of 10 points and scored only four points over it, but he had 83 rushing yards and one touchdown. But he is just one of those guys like this is what makes this game fun, right? And the reason I'm pulling this out is one, because this is an all time great football name, but also because we've seen this with some people who have like one in our pools who are heavily weighted towards active players. But Emerson Booz is one of these guys. Okay, 10 points. He doesn't cost you that much, especially from the running back position, but he can outperform his delta. And it also gives you a chance to just like explore names that yeah. had never known before or never knew about. And now we're looking up Emerson Boozer's game from the 60s. Ben, which game was it? Yeah, Emerson Boozer, this game for him was December 15th, 1968. What's interesting is, and I'm looking at his career number, Mr. Boozer, he played from 1966 to 1975. No idea who that was, but he averaged 12 games a year played and he averaged 515 rushing yards and 5.2 rushing touchdowns per season, as well as 13 catches and 148. These are not big numbers. No, they're not. Terrible numbers because it is only over 12 games, but they're not big numbers. But he did have some seasons in there on the shortened season where I think he would be almost more of a fullback where he's picking up 10 touchdowns on 400 yards. Yeah, he had 10 touchdowns in eight games in 1967. This was a bold dart throw. He had 14 (laughs) touchdowns in 11 games in 1972. Now, I feel bad because this guy picked Emerson Boozer, which is great. He also picked Daniel Bellinger. Giants tight end? Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger. He got 10.4 points from him. Yeah, Bellinger, that was the play against the Bears where he like rolled out and it looked like he was going to throw it and then he just ran it in because everybody (laughs) was... Yeah, so he got a rushing touchdown from Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger. He's also got another name on here that did not work out so well. Don Maynard. Don Maynard, baby. Don Maynard, November 20th, 1966. Don Maynard was projected at 13.1 points. A decent rate, not the best rate, but he only scored 5.9. Hall of Famer Don Maynard, who also played basically his whole career with the Jets. Okay, his first season with the Giants, last season with the St. Louis Browns. He was technically classified as a flanker, of course. Who wasn't? November 20th, 1966. This is a 30-13 Jets win over the Dolphins, where he had three catches for 29 yards. That's it. That's all you got, Maynard. That's all you did for us. To be fair, he only scored five touchdowns this season. The season before that, he scored 14. And the two seasons after that, he scored 10. And he also caught a lot of balls for the 60s. 68, 48, 71, 57. I mean, those are like backup running back catching numbers for the modern NFL. But again, this is just one of those things, right? You go back in and you find Don Maynard or Boozer. And you're like, let's fill out my team of Justin Jefferson and Josh Allen with Emerson Boozer and Don Maynard. It's fantastic. 
Well, what's 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 interesting about that is the same fella who picked these two. So he he didn't didn't necessarily win in week four, but those are two of the three historical players he picked, as well as Robert Smith. So he's got a thing for Robert Smith because last week in week five. He picked Robert Smith. He won. Robert Smith helped, giving him 22.5 points against his 12.37. And that was a 1999 game. But it's the active players on JP's roster this last week who, again, won with 169 points. I mean, he he really kind of kind of cleaned up on this one. He had Captain Kirk with his 22 points. Stefan Diggs, 24 points. Justin Jefferson, 28 points. But the big one was Austin Eckler. I mean, Eckler... With his game last week, a hundred, what was it, one hundred seventy-five yards, something like that, one hundred seventy-three and a touchdown and four catches for twenty-six yards and another touchdown. The guy's been on a heater lately. This is one of those interesting things, and we talked about this two weeks ago about how there has been a lot of inconsistency in the NFL with some of these guys who are supposed to be top picks and how they're scoring. And this is why it seems like nobody's happy with their fantasy team out there. Like everyone I talk to, they're like, my team stinks. But Justin Jefferson underperformed for a couple weeks. And then this week he had like 98 yards receiving in the first quarter. Just shows like the gamble of it, right? Like, all right, I'm going to fill out my roster with top normal picks in the modern NFL. And it worked out this week. Then it worked out for Robert Smith this week too, to have roughly 23 points from your legendary running back and to have Jefferson put up 28. And again, like you said, Kirk Cousins put up 22. That's a winning combo right there. If you're getting the modern guys playing up to form and you're getting a dynamite game from a legendary guy, you have to beat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is a really interesting one, but I mean, Eckler as one of those guys. He's just been, yeah, he's just because of the heater he's been on. It's really paid out for sure. It's almost dumb not to pick Eckler every week at this point. Eventually it'll run out, but just ride the wave. Ride the wave, baby. Ride the wave. Picking some of these modern guys, we've talked about how can bite you in the rear end. One of the teams that didn't quite pull off the victory this last week picked Elijah Moore at a 10.5 projection who checked in with a measly 2.1. And as I recall, didn't the Jets win that game? Like... 40 to 13 or something like that. Yeah, that's a weird one. You look at Zeke, who I know a lot of people were down on coming into the season, and it seems to be playing out in a game the Cowboys won pretty easily. His delta was like negative four. Debo Samuel was negative six, so he was a miss, not someone that you'd normally pick. We can just lay into Dolphins wide receivers because Tyree Kill had a bad game too. <laughs> and the historical players aren't immune to it either. I myself leaned heavy no, 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 into, no, no. into the historical uh, wide receiver batch. I put a trio of guys in there, Herman Moore, Bill Groman, Calvin Johnson all in there. All pretty good wide receivers in their day. All projected at 13 plus. Terrible. Terrible weeks. They were all 13 plus and between the three of them, they didn't even get 13 points. Gotta love that. You should see the fantasy team in my cousin's league. That's my team every week is everyone gets about eight points. So it's great. Definitely, definitely didn't do what we need there. One guy that if you started him in week four, that would have given you a lot. Nobody put him in our league, but freaking Jared Goff who come out of nowhere. And they just light the world on fire. Or last week, if you'd started in Taysom Hill. Yeah. The tight end. Yeah, Taysom Hill, the tight end. Yeah, no one picked Taysom Hill in our league, I don't believe. Again, part of it is the way that our game works, right? With the budget that you have and trying to fill it out. So yeah, I'm going top heavy. Cooper Cup is projected for 24 points. That's a pretty big chunk of your budget. Stephon Diggs is 20. Devontae Adams is 19. Jefferson's 20. Eckler's 18. So then if you're picking these guys, you're like, I'm on top heavy. You're like, okay, then who am I going to fill out? I need a quarterback who's projected for 12 points and I'm going to look for a lucky break. Or John Elway's projected for 15. I'm going for it. I know he had a lot of legendary games. Let's lean into it. So it's just interesting all the different ways that you can structure your team based on the budget. And that's just what makes the game fun. Yeah, absolutely. Now, drum roll, please. Our legendary performance of the week. 
has to go to Mr. Josh Allen, a current legend. If you have Josh Allen on your fantasy team this year and you are not in first place in your leagues, you are doing it wrong. You're screwing up somewhere else. You are screwing up big time. 20 of 51, 424 yards, four touchdowns. Ridiculous performance for that guy. I hate the Steelers, so I enjoyed watching them get dumped (laughs) on. But I feel as though every year in drafts, people are like, oh, don't waste an early draft pick on a quarterback. Don't do this. Quarterbacks are really deep, which I fell victim to this year, which is why I waited in all of my drafts to draft a quarterback. And now I have no good quarterbacks in any of my teams. And if you have Josh Allen, yeah, you might have to pick him in like the third round, which seems a little high, but then he becomes one of your highest scoring players. He has the track record now. I know people always say running backs, but if you're in a PPR league, wide receivers, but Josh Allen scores just as many points, if not more than most of them. Just do it. Go for it. The year the Lamar won the MVP, how many leagues did he win for people? More than a few. That's for sure. I had the pleasure of having a little conversation with some of the SiriusXM guys during my experts draft a few months back, a few months before the season started, which, by the way, do not draft your fancy football leagues two months before the season started. I know we're all excited, but enough with that. Down with that noise. Stupid. Do you remember that time we drafted in late July? It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's kooky. I did get poo-pooed a little bit because I took Josh Allen in the third round. And he said, pretty simple. You needed a goal line back. So you take Josh Allen. Pretty straightforward. That's what everyone was saying. Just you say. need a guy to hammer those <laughs> touchdowns in at the goal line. Josh Allen, number one on the list. If you had Josh Allen in our format, he scored 43.16 points. In some other formats that I've seen out there, he scored as much as 50 points. You mean like in our league, which inflates our quarterback score? Have you recovered from your emotional scare last night of no. almost giving up an 89-point lead? 87. 87-point <laughs> lead. I had an 87-point lead because I had a pretty good week. And then our friend Cole, I was going up against him, and he had Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and Travis Kelsey. And I was like, Well, 87 point lead. I should be fine. And I was working on my thesis. I wasn't even watching the game. And then I got the update on my phone. The fourth quarter was starting and I was checking the fantasy score. And I was like, I have to watch this fourth quarter. And then I peed my pants multiple times watching because I was like, I'm going to lose it. My team's going to blow an 87 point lead in one game. And I almost did. And then I won. There was more than a couple chances at the end there for him to get the final one. Two, three point two points that he needed to beat you. But in the end, he scored 84 points when he needed 87. If they had ruled that Devontae had caught that ball on the Raiders' last possession... You would have sweated more, but I think you would have been all right because I think they would have been close to field goal range at that point. Yeah, but it's the Raiders. You don't know. Let's talk about Josh Jacobs, who had run for like 150 yards in that game. So they probably would have just pounded him on the way through. Yeah. Ironically, though, in another league, I was going up against Josh Jacobs and I won by 1.3 points and he came up just short. (laughs) I was like, can this game just... Can a meteor just blow up this stadium right now so I can win both of these matchups? It was terrifying. Yeah, I mean, you had to have been the biggest Hunter Renfro fan in the world who ran the takeout route on Devontae Adams to end that game. Worse. I mean, I'm a Broncos fan and we've been terrible lately, but I mean, at least our receivers are tackling each other when the game's on the line. That's so funny. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen because I think one of them jumped up asking for pass interference and it was like, no, you got cut blocked by your fellow wide receiver running by you. Devonte Adams was so mad about that. He looked for the next short white guy he could find, which happened to be a and it was a photographer. <laughs> on his way into the. <laughs> oh, I thought that was Hunter Renfro. No, that was just another <laughs> short white guy. Uh, all right, there we go. There's our what happened last. There's our legendary performance and a little bit of extra on the side for that one. 
Let's move on into trends. Yeah, serve it up. Week five saw a lot more people picking wide receivers that are current than historical now, which is something we've been talking about for a while, and it's been paying off. Except but, you, apparently. You went with three legends. I Well, yeah, but I'm bound and determined to prove that legendary receivers can pay dividends. Hasn't worked yet. <laughs> I will go to my grave picking legendary receivers until I win. When we're here in week 18 and I still have three legendary receivers on my team and I'm still in last place, we may have the primitive data that we need. We should have like a little jingle like, how are Ben's legendary receivers doing this week? Oh, they scored 22 points combined. In fairness, the top receivers that are coming off the boards in weeks like this, like Justin Jefferson, Devonta Adams, Cooper Cup, and Stefan Diggs, these guys are carrying so much value. They're carrying their actual teams. So from it's, the fantasy perspective, it's bonkers. It's just a little unfair what these guys are doing out there. What I did notice, a lot more people are starting the current wide receivers than the historical ones, which also segues into one other thing. And this may be a tweak that comes from our end on the game. Yes, yes, we will tweak the game after this season of information and data finding is over. We'll figure out what things work and don't work. Because remember, this is our first year with the Encore Fantasy Football out there. But we're on four or five weeks where teams that are primarily current players across the board have won. Our winner in week four and our winner in week five, we're all current players except for one historical player. So we are seeing that trend. Now, part of this is because of the, how we do our picking of our teams, where we use projected points. Right. 125 points may be allowing more current players to be rostered that are a little bit more of a surefire thing. Because you look at a team that has Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb all on it. Pretty good team. That'd be like if you were in a four-team fantasy league. That could be your starting lineup. Right. And to be fair with that, you could pick all of these guys. You could still win with historical players. But you are increasing your odds a little bit in the current setting of going with some of those current players, it looks like. Now, if you're really getting clever about it, you probably are doing those current wide receivers. You might be doing a current quarterback, although John Elway is obviously awesome and better than all the current quarterbacks. So maybe you wanted to keep him instead. Yeah, definitely. Totally. totally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thing. Didn't you just write an ode to Josh Allen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm willing to concede that Josh Allen might be a little better than Elway. Maybe. That's very generous of you. Too early to tell with Josh Allen. But if you're getting clever, you might be looking at wide receivers and then historical running backs to supplement that where we've seen the historical running backs be better look at this past week josh allen had a big week eckler had a big week but then we had arian foster earl campbell and jamal charles and arian foster and jamal charles have shown up multiple times in the top 10 of scoring every week and we've talked about arian foster short career unfortunately but really good same with jamal charles the guy was just hot fire and then you know suffered those knee injuries but um you know this game this jamal charles game like 226 yards rushing and a touchdown Arian Foster, 102 yards rushing and a touchdown, nine catches, 65 yards. And Earl Campbell, 181 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Like Earl, Earl Campbell, Earl Campbell had 9,400 yards rushing and 74 touchdowns in seven or in nine years. I know because he broke his body as he was destroying defenders. He did. Um, he did. But, I but, mean, he, have- but he's a guy that you pick in this game because of that. Like yeah. he had, he had almost nine touchdowns a year. Right, roughly for his whole career. If you manage to avoid his 1982, 84, and 85 years, you get his 78, 79, 80, and 83 years. They're 
freaking ridiculous. They're just nonsensical. His first three seasons, he averaged 1,614 yards and 14 rushing touchdowns over 15 games each year. If fantasy football is happening in the late 70s, he is a number one overall pick. Even if he catches zero balls because of the <laughs> way the game was played, and I'm not going to exaggerate here, he probably did catch zero balls. No, he uh, got a few. He got a few. Okay, fine. Slightly Eight, more than 18 zero. catches a year. 18 catches a year. Come on now. <laughs> I, I he, can catch 18 balls a year in the NFL. He's Nick Chubb before Nick Chubb was Nick Chubb. Yeah, that's true. And as a Nick Chubb fan, I'm like, man, he's been fun. But also, can't you just throw him one or two or something? But no. <laughs> anyway, no. looking at this week, combining the hot fire of Jefferson Cup, Diggs, DK had a pretty good week. And then firing up the Wayback Machine for Earl Campbell and... Arian Foster and Jamal Charles. That's a sweet combination. And that's been working for people. I know we are talking about some guys who've just gone all active are doing well, but relying on some of these legendary running backs who were just out of their minds for several years, that's a winning combo too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I so I think I think we're definitely seeing that trend. I mean, we 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 continue to talk about it, we continue to look at it and doing the the trend segment may get redundant. But the whole idea is, is like this is our first year doing it, and we are starting to see. These things really develop. We, we really are. We're seeing, you know, what it looks like, you know, where can you dip into to get the best value? And it doesn't mean that just because you know that current receivers are better than historical receivers in this particular format that you can pick the right current receiver still. It doesn't mean that you're going to pick the wrong historical receivers. It just means... Remember Steve Largen? He was like the top scoring player, so it's possible. And then there's, of course, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice had a big week, too, for us in one of these leagues, yeah. So we do encourage our listeners and users to go out there and enjoy a little nostalgia and place in these guys. But, yes, you probably have a slightly better odd of getting a good game using some of today's star receivers and potentially historical tight ends. Unless you're talking Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, that is a prickly one. Like you, you have modern ones and we know how tight ends have evolved as part of the game, but there aren't that many in the NFL doing well right now, except for those two. And so looking at this crop of tight ends in the NFL today, if I'm not picking Kelsey or Mark Andrews, I'm going to gamble on a Tony Gonzalez or yeah. a Kellen Winslow senior or slap me sideways. Jeremy Shockey. Let's get Jeremy Shockey in there. Jeremy um, Shockey. Oh, what a great pick. You know wow. what? He's going on my team this week. Jeremy Shockey is 100% going on my wow. team. Even though, even though he has that. some terrible years, I'm... I'm going I'm going in on Jeremy Shockey. Today. I have not heard a Jeremy Shockey reference in a little while. That's uh the joys. The joys of historical players. About, Who yeah, doesn't so love good. a little Jeremy Shockey? Uh good. Good call out. You know even what? though he I don't played on wanna, that team that nobody likes, but you know. I don't even want to look up his stats on the website because I don't want to see what sort of maelstrom I'm throwing my team into. I'm just gonna assume that I'm gonna get one of his like rookie year games where he was awesome and crazy. He's going to be the only guy in the league to have caught 0.2 catches for negative three yards. Yeah, and three fumbles. <laughs> three fumbles. He's going to have three fumbles. And it's not, <laughs> no, whatever. We're going to find out what happens. So the tight end thing, we talked about that earlier. That's one where I'm going to gamble. I'm, I'm gamble on a historical player. I mix up my running backs because how many running backs in the NFL today are workhorses like Earl Campbell? <laughs> one. Two, maybe. Derrick Henry is basically the only one. Okay, Saquon. Those two are the guys that are like, this is their team's number one. We know they're going to get 80% of the carries. Earl Campbell was the guy for his whole career. Put Earl Campbell in the game. I want Earl Campbell. Yep, I like it. So there we go. Those are the trends that I think are establishing themselves. We have tight ends leaning towards historical. Running backs leaning pretty heavily towards historical. Wide receivers leaning pretty heavily towards current. And John Elway. 
Jeremy Shockey, two-time Super Bowl champ, even though he did not play. He was on the Saints team that won in 2009. He was on the Giants team that beat the undefeated Patriots in 2007, but he was hurt and he didn't actually play. He only played 14 games that season and he was out at the end of it. He was second in rookie of the year voting in his rookie year when he had a pretty good year. 74 catches for 900 yards as a tight end in 2002. That's pretty good. He had yeah. some moments for sure. For sure he did. There's trends we're seeing. Let's uh let's 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 move down and take a little look ahead. You got anybody you're looking at and you're like, you know what? I kind of like this guy. Might be a guy I'm, I'm looking at in the coming weeks. Yes. Two guys with the same last name. One, Damian Pierce. I know as drafts were getting closer before the season, people were super high on him. And then mm-hmm. it turns out the Texans are actually pretty mm-hmm. bad. And maybe Davis Mills isn't that good. But Damian Pierce is pretty good. And his workload has been going up over the past couple weeks. And his performance has been going up. And the Texans, they've been in a lot of close games. So they haven't really been getting blown out. So he's a guy who's getting a lot of touches. I'm feeling him as a potential running back. You're basically the guy who comes to the party two hours after everybody else got there with ants on a log, thinking that you brought like the greatest thing to the party. First of all, I know that I did because ants on a log is delicious. Hey, you said what I'm looking for right now. We're picking from the whole panoply of running backs that have ever played in the NFL. I'm Can you do me a Damian favor? Pierce. Can you start Damian Pierce this week in the EFG pool? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to start him this week? I'm going to start him this week. I'll start him this week. On a bye. Oh, okay. Then I won't start him this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, Damian Pierce is a great pick. He's a great call up if somebody look ahead. He really is turning Don't into that guy. Don't start him this week. Don't start him this week. He's on a bye. <laughs> Teams are having buys in week six. This is dumb. We do a lot of research for this show, folks. We really look into yeah. our calls and our picks and, and all that stuff. Fine. My other guy that I'm looking at on another team with an inept offense, but he's the only one doing well, is Alec Pierce. The other Pierce. On the the other Pierce. Oh, I like that. I Pretty like that. sure they have a game this week. They do. Yeah. All right. So I'm leaning in on Alec Pierce while his projections have probably been trending up of late because of how many targets he's getting. I'm projecting that he's going to be a cheaper option on your team if you want to fill it out. One of those guys where if you grab some headliners at the top and your budget is getting lower, you can get Alex Pierce, who might provide a lot of value and some quality delta going forward. That is some piercing insight right there. Oh, Whoa. oh nice. Whoa. How punny. How punny. Yeah, that Pierce is actually playing this week, and that's also a great call. I love it because we're going to talk more about the Broncos and how crappy they were on Thursday night and how sad that would have made me, except for the Mariners were amazing the next day. See, that's the good thing when your baseball team's in the playoffs. If your NFL team's crappy, you're just like, well, I don't really care. I'm just going to watch every baseball playoff game. Anyway, I did get to watch firsthand the coming out party for Alex Pierce, who looks like Mike Evans. Like he he looks like freaking Mike Evans, not from the deep ball standpoint, but his ability to body guys and get the big catch when you need the big catch. This kid is freaking good. I didn't know anything about him except that somebody in our league had added him and then dropped him. And I immediately added him after that. And I'm glad that I did because he's incredibly fast. He's definitely a big bodied guy and he's got hands for sure. And he's clearly developing that chemistry with Matt Ryan. That's a great call on Mr. Pierce. Current guy that I'm looking at that I think is going to break out is Kenneth Walker over in Seattle. Mr. Penny going down with the injury. He was big down the stretch for fantasy owners last year. Penny was, and then he was starting to get back into it this year. I think he had like 150 yards rushing two weeks ago, and he was out to a big start last week before he went down with a season-ending injury. Broken fibula, I believe. Which has opened the door up for Mr. Walker. And Kenneth Walker, I mean, what, eight carries for 88 yards and a touchdown last week? Probably too late to get him if he's out there. But not in our league. Not in our league. 
If you're in our league, you could definitely go get him. Kenneth Walker is projected for 5.6 oh! points. That is what they call a steal. Lock right it in. Now. Encorefan.com. Quick lock it in. Go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Of course, by run, the time run, you run. hear this, it might have changed, but you know. Really, even if they take him up to a 13, 14 projection, it's still probably a pretty good deal. And this comes after we told you that you should start historical running backs too. No, 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 no. Both these things can be true. You can start him and you can start a historical running back. Fill out your budget. If you want Terrell Davis, and he's probably projected in the high teens or maybe even 20, uh, then you can get Walker too. And it works well. And you've got a combo right there. There you go. That's true. That's true. He does bring in some of those guys that are that are really ridiculously good that way. And they're uh, playing the Cardinals. <laughs> they are playing the Cardinals. Here's one for you that uh-huh. I think is another good one and a spot start this week. Maybe a little bit beyond, but definitely this week with Mr. Connor getting hurt and the Cardinals only other running back getting hurt. Eno Benjamin finds himself as the lone wolf in that backfield, which could lead to a pretty good production this weekend. I'm liking Eno Benjamin as a spot start this week. And he was pretty talented at Arizona State. I remember watching him shred my Washington State Cougars more than once. And if there's anything that I know, it's when a guy destroys Washington State Cougars defenses in college, he becomes an excellent fantasy option when he gets to the pros. <laughs> Foolproof. I, I can say that with full confidence because it was Mr. Cooper Cup at Eastern Washington who had 230 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns against the Cougars the one year that he played us. And obviously, he's the greatest all time in fantasy. So there it is. Get Proof there. in your face. A lot of running backs on our look aheads this week, huh? Yeah, leaning into it. This is what it's about. We're pulling these things out, looking at the trends, seeing how things have changed, and going for it. So, long term guy that I like that isn't a running back, he's a tight end, Mr. Fair Pat Fairmuth. Yeah, that's a guy who is available on the cheap in a lot of places. Turn it into Mr. Heath Miller. That is a great call because Pickett being in younger quarterbacks, you see this all the time. They love safety outlets, and tight ends are usually that type of person. So, we're talking about heavy target volume. And Fryermuth is going to have a lot of options to catch a lot of balls, especially in the red zone. When Pickett's looking for those quick fire tosses, that's a good call. He's good. Yeah, to that point, I mean, even before he got hurt, he had two targets, two catches, 12 yards. But then his replacement, Zach Gentry, so who, if you want a spot start, Zach Gentry is a guy that's out there, had five catches on six targets for 43 yards in that game against Buffalo. So the tight end position is going to yield some points in Pittsburgh. If Pat's back in there, he's a guy that can definitely do that. And if not, maybe look at Zach Gentry as a little bit of a flyer. Now that we're getting into the bye weeks of the NFL, and you know who doesn't have a bye week, Mish? Who's that? All of our historical players. Yes, that is accurate. Our historical players never have bye weeks. You always get a game that they played in. You don't get a game like Alvin Kamara's owners last week who didn't realize that the Saints were playing at 9.30 a.m. in London and he was ruled out at about 6 a.m. Eastern time. You will never see no Sean Moreno ruled out of a London game in this league. <laughs> no Sean Moreno. Oh, you should start him this week. I am starting him this week. Did you know no Sean Moreno averaged 800 yards? A season on roughly nine games played per season. Not a bad pickup. He's pretty good, actually. Yes, like all Broncos. So there you go. Another Bronco you could pair up with John Elway in your rosters and win all the monies. Anybody else we're looking ahead at? No, I think that's it. I'm excited for it. DFS is fun because every week is a new team. But when you factor in the historical players, it's so fun. We had a boozer sighting. Come on. Boozer. Don Maynard. It's so fun. Every week is like a box of chocolates. Just never know what you're going to get. All right. Uh, well, never, never do that again. That's impressive impressions with Ben Stecker. We may not bring that segment back.
that segment is sticking around for good. <laughs> Everybody will love that segment. That's masterpiece work. Here we go. Before we dip off and we say goodbye to all of our friends and listeners that are out there taking their mental health breaks, listening to us, let's come up with a bet that we like that we'd put a little bit of action on this week. I'm going to stick with a guy that I picked up already, Mr. Eno Benjamin. I would take him for anything up to 60 yards because the Seahawks defense is not that great. I think they're going to lean on him this week. Got anything, Mish? Yeah, the Giants take the under. Always. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veto because you did the Giants on your last bet. The Carolina Panthers and the LA Rams. Oh. The Panthers just fired their coach. Baker may not play. And the Rams just got their, you know what, shoved in by the Cowboys at home. And the Rams are at home again. And they are favored by 10 and a half points. And I'm going to take the Rams. Minus 10 and a half. Because the Panthers just got dominated by the 49ers last week, and they're in worse shape now than they were on Sunday. So I'm taking Rams minus 10 and a half. I like that. I do. I like that a lot. That's a, we're that's talking a great bold pick. picks. The Rams is a bounce back game in that win. Yeah, that's a great call there. I'm always a fan of underdogs. After just watching what they did to my guy, Jared Goff, and knowing that Bill Belichick knows how to scheme a defense. Yeah. This is Bill Belichick's porn right here. Bill a Belichick porn. 80th round quarterback that he gets to scheme the hell out of a game. Yeah. Oh, incredible. He, he He's all about it, but they're on the road in Cleveland. And Cleveland is just the, they're the Browns. And it's New England money line plus 130, which is a pick that I like to get behind. If the Browns can't find a way to beat the Falcons, there's no way they're going to figure out a way to solve a Bill Belichick defense with Jacoby Brissett, who, by the way, Bill Belichick is familiar with from all Just those years that he Just had him touch. playing fullback in New England. Fullback Jacoby Brissett. I remember that era with the Patriots. It was entertaining. Those are good picks. I will remind everyone we tweet about a lot of this stuff. So follow our Twitter feed at Encore Fantasy on Twitter and also at EncoreFan.com. That's where you can play the game. That's where you can see how everyone did last week and everything that we've talked about and get in on the fun. It's free to play and you could win money. So do it. Yeah. com. Love it. Get in there. Join the pool. Get who plays. I remind you that we are not betting experts. So right. Imagine yeah. if I were picking stocks, would you actually dump all your money into a stock that I picked? I don't recommend it. Been there, done that. Now I'm so poor. I'm trying to launch my own fantasy website. <laughs> Guys, Peloton. It's, it's a real up and comer. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of the Encore Fantasy Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Go Mariners. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. This episode is history. Legendary receivers doing this week. Wow, I love that. This is Bill Belichick's porn right here, which is fantastic. White chocolate, white chocolate, baby. Let's go. I kind of like it.